You're listening to the Dental Giants Podcast, a podcast that inspires young dental students and professionals to strive for success in their field. My name is Pedro Mashaw, and I'm a current dental student seeking to learn the ins and outs of our profession. You don't have to reinvent the wheel to be successful. So I'm sitting down with dental professionals, or as I like to say, dental giants, who have shown excellence, passion, and success in their field. We're going to be talking about their journey, the lessons they've learned, and how to make an impact. Subscribe now so you won't miss new episodes, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Dental Giants. I'm very excited to be kicking off our first episode of Dental Giants with an extraordinary guest today. He's a cosmetic dentist based out of Los Angeles, California, and after graduating from UOP, Arthur A. Dugoni School of Dentistry, he completed a GPR residency in Switzerland working his way up to starting his very successful practice in Century City, California. He's a fellow of the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. He has appeared on numerous talk shows, including CBS's talk show, The Doctors, ABC's Extreme Makeover, Oprah, Larry King Live, and a whole lot more. He is a New York Times bestseller, inventor of Zoom tooth whitening, founder of the Leap Foundation, and has appeared on Men's Fitness Magazine. He has 16 Lifetime Achievement Awards, two Guinness World Book Records, and was even knighted by the Royal Order of Constantine. He is by far a dental giant in my books, and I am very excited to introduce Dr. Bill Dorfman. Just a bit of heads up and context, this will be a two-parter episode, and this was originally recorded for an article with Asda Contour Magazine, so you may hear some references to Asda. I hope you enjoy. All right, so um, I guess my first question would be, uh, what kind of led you to a career in aesthetic dentistry? And did you always kind of know you wanted to do aesthetic dentistry when you were in dental school or before that? Well, <laughs> aesthetic dentistry hadn't even been invented when I was in dental school. <laughs> I mean, you have to understand, I went to dental school in 1980 to 1983. There was no such thing as a porcelain veneer, right? Yeah. I mean, we when we first started dental school, if you wanted to do bonding, you needed to mix an A and a B paste mm. and then stick it on the tooth as quick as you could. Yeah. That's how it cured. It, there yeah. was no light curing. So really cosmetic dentistry was, it was in its infancy. And yeah. um but I did know this in dental school. I knew that if I got an A plus on a root canal, hmm. nobody cared. But if I got an A plus on an anterior crown, uh-huh. it changed people's lives. And yeah. that's what inspired me. That's awesome. So then when you graduated and then you did your GPR uh, in Switzerland, and then what kind of just like led you like, okay, after my GPR in practice, like I'm going to go back to the States and I'm going to do more cosmetic things. Is that kind of how it led or did you start off with like bread and butter dentistry? And then while I was in Switzerland, um, I really went there for a few things. One is I wanted to, you know, fine tune my skills Two, I wanted to see the world. You know, I grew up, really kind of poor. Um, we never traveled. I, I had never even been on an airplane. 
until I, uh, I went to UCLA and I, I, I was a gymnast. And so I, I made it on the squad as a yell leader. So I got to travel with the football team. I mean, that was really when I was like, learned, I, I, I would fly places and, you know, and the idea of graduating dental school at the age of 24 and being tethered to a practice without the ability to really ever live anywhere else um, was not that appealing. So I heard about this program in Switzerland and I went there really to see the world a little bit, to live in another country, another culture. Uh, I learned how to speak French. I, I learned how to ski. Um, I got to live in Europe. I mean, it was amazing. It was an amazing period of my life. And while I was there, my parents introduced me to a man named Bud Hoffman, who's also an alum of UOP. And um, he had a very successful practice in Beverly Hills. And he was a quote unquote cosmetic dentist. And, you know, we kept in touch. And when I finished my program, he invited me to come into his practice. And the plan was really for me to, to buy his practice. Well, you know, I was working with him and kind of a year into it, um, he got divorced um, and decided that selling his practice was not a good idea. <laughs> um, plus, having me in the practice kind of reinvigorated him and he started to get really excited about dentistry. And so we were all set to, you know, sell the practice to me. And I made a congratulatory dinner and everything, which is amazing because I don't cook. And he came over and he said, look, I'm really sorry, but I, I can't do it. Mm. And um, I was, uh, I was really bummed out and I went to work and lo and behold, the next day, I found out that a dentist in the suite right next to me who had three operatories was leaving the building. Mm. So there was a whole suite already built out. I didn't have to put in plumbing and such, and it yeah. was all there. Perfect. And kind of serendipitously, there was a dentist in my building who passed away and mm. she had a whole suite of, dental equipment and chairs and, you know, and lights. I mean, everything that you needed, right? Mm -hmm. So I went up to the office of the building and, you know, I said, what are you guys planning to do with this, with these two suites? I said, the one, you know, that was all built out and all, I said, I would love to, to take over the lease on that. And I said, fine. And they, apparently they had been trying to rent out the other suite as a like turnkey operation, but nobody wanted it because there were problems with this and that and the other thing. And so I, I went in and I had all of the equipment and everything appraised and they appraised it at almost $80,000. Yeah. Wow. And so I, I, I said, and it was a mess. I mean, a mess. Yeah. So I went to the office of the building and I said, listen, I have $3,000 in the bank. That's it. 
I said, I'll give you $3,000 for everything in that suite and I'll mm-hmm. clean it out and make it spotless. And <laughs> you know, you can do what you want from there. And they were like happy to get rid of it all. So that's what I did. So I basically furnished my entire dental office with that suite. I had all the chairs recovered and I just tried to make everything look as new as possible. And I moved into that suite. This was in 1988. Mm-hmm. And I stayed there until um, my 38th birthday. And on my 38th mm-hmm. birthday, I moved from that suite into my current suite, which is 1601 in the same building. And I've been there ever since. Wow. For 24 years. Yeah. So everything just kind of fell into place. Just kind of, that's really yeah. cool. And what was your kind of first uh, leg into kind of television then and, and treating celebrities. Your first one was, I think, Extreme Makeover. Is that correct? And then, oh no, there was way before that. So when I opened up my office, I sent a, a an announcement to everybody I knew, uh-huh. um, telling them that I was opening this dental office, and you know, if uh, if they need a dentist, blah 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 blah. And a girl I went to high school with came in. And I asked her what she did. And she said, I'm a publicist. And I'm like, oh, what's that? I had no idea. So she explained it to me. And oh. she, she said, why don't you hire me? And at the time, she wanted $3,000 a month. And again, you know, I didn't have money. But she convinced me that it was a good thing to do. And, mm-hmm. and it was. I mean, within two months of of hiring her, she got me listed in LA magazine, which was like the most popular magazine at the time as the best cosmetic dentist in LA. She introduced me to their whole team. They came in, they looked at my before and afters. Uh, I mean, they, they were like, yeah, we're going to do this. And, you know, that mention alone was so valuable. And then Mm. I went out and I met all of the, um, in all the high-end hotels, I met the concierge and I told them I would be on service for them 24 seven. And it was crazy. Like they sent me like the King of Jordan. I mean, it was nuts, you know? (laughs) And, um, and I went and I spoke to, um, all my friends who were agents in all these agencies and they were all working in the mailroom and now they're all like running these biggest agencies, but you know, they were coming to me and sending their clients and their friends to me. And, you know, and I started advertising and back then advertising was not popular. And, and in fact, the ADA was not very supportive. And, you know, there were many times that the ADA would threaten dentists but I always was very cautious and I did everything within their guidelines and, you know, and I started advertising and, you know, and working with the publicists and getting media training and, um, and my practice grew. And, and, you know, when I moved into my own suite by myself, um, I realized that the biggest challenge to being successful was, was getting patients. And at the time, I, I sat back and I thought, you know, I'm in Century City. 
there are 50,000 people who work in a five block radius in my office. Mm -hmm. We know that 50% of the general population does not have a dentist. So there's 25,000 people who work in a five block radius of my office that need a dentist and they all have dental insurance. Mm -hmm. So for 300 bucks, I made these beautiful flyers, giving them a great offer to come to the office. I hired a bunch of high school kids. I had them go up and down every single office in Century City and pass out these flyers. And as a result, I, you know, the first month I got like 60 new patients. The next month I doubled it. And then I just wow. doubled and doubled and doubled it and kept growing and growing and growing. Yeah. Wow. And then what made, what kind of led you to, what introduced you to then being on TV? How did, how did that, you know? Early magazine... on, my publicist would book me for things as, you know, like a dental expert. Oh, okay. And, you know, I wasn't very good. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> then uh, I became good friends with Dr. Garth Fisher, who is a plastic surgeon on Extreme Makeover. Oh. And we had a mutual patient, Jennifer Fenton, F-E-N-T-O-N. Jennifer mm. was a game show hostess. And when she wasn't working on TV, she worked part-time in Dr. Fisher's office. Mm. And the man who created one of the shows that she worked on was Howard Schultz, mm-hmm. who was not Starbucks Howard Schultz, Howard Schultz of um, um, lighthearted entertainment. He created Extreme okay. Makeover. And Howard told Jennifer about the show. And she's like, oh, wow, you have to meet my dentist and you have to meet the plastic surgeon that I work with. And Howard loved both of us and offered us positions on the show. Wow. Awesome. And this is Extreme Makeover, right? The this was Extreme Makeover. This was so we shot the pilot in 2003. Um, it aired and had huge, like blockbuster uh, numbers. So they picked up our first season, 22 episodes, and I realized early on that I stunk on TV. Like dentistry, <laughs> great. TV, not so great. So instead of waiting for them to fire me. I went to school. I took acting classes and hosting classes, teleprompting classes, because Mm. I I was just fearful that if I didn't do that, they'd fire me. (laughs) Wow. And then what, what's the process like when, when you're treating patients on like makeover shows, did did the producers have anything like involved in treatment planning? Did they give you guidance? So this is the crazy thing. I developed a whole technique for doing makeovers on TV. For instance, if you go ahead, if somebody's got really crooked, gross teeth, right? And you Mm. prep them, and then you put really nice provisionals on, that's where the patient has that that really emotional moment and starts crying. Mm. So if you do that, and now they would come back for the seat appointment, By that time, they're already used to having nice teeth. So basically, we shot everything in one visit. So when we would shoot the reveal, we shot that like it was like their final teeth. You never saw their final teeth until they did the big reveal with the hair and the makeup and this and that and the other thing. So we did all the dentistry in one visit in my office. Wow. Okay. Now. In order to 
do a reveal, you need the patient to smile, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if you give the patient a bunch of lidocaine in the buccal vestibule, how are they going to smile? <laughs> they can't. Right. So I started using palatal injections. You can, mm -hmm. inj you can anesthetize them from the palate. That way their lips and everything else are not numb, but yet they don't feel anything. And so we did all of the prep appointments with palatal anesthesia. That's very, very interesting. I, it, to me, it kind of made sense. Like, yeah, I probably have like a set routine for, you know, the emotional side, definitely. Uh, but that's interesting. I never thought that far to think of, you know, patient can't smile yeah, or being on camera. But here's the thing. Interesting. You know, in order for this to be oh. riveting, the patient had to emote. If a patient mm -hmm. doesn't show how much this affected their life and how, how mm -hmm. touching this was for them, you've got no TV show, right? Yeah. Right. So that was critical. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if they can't smile and show you their teeth, you lose all that. That's very true. Wow. Now, did the producers have anything to do with the treatment planning process at all? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. The, uh, okay, I mean, <laughs> so the very first patient in the very first episode, um, we did three Zoom whitenings, you know, and when ABC asked me how much I wanted to be compensated, I said, I mean, I invented Zoom. Like, you don't need to pay me. This is great advertising, right? Yeah. Then when we got picked up for the first season, the first patient needed 20 porcelain veneers, 10 uppers and 10 lowers. Wow. And at the time I was charging $1,500 a tooth. Mm -hmm. So that was a $30,000 case. Wow. And I was instructed to send an invoice to ABC before I started. So I sent that to them and they freaked mm -hmm. out and they called me <laughs> up and they're like, doc, are you kidding? I'm like, no. They said, we had no idea that dentistry was that expensive. I said, well, well it is. And I said, well, what do you want me to do? They said, well, I mean, can you do three veneers? I'm like, what, like every other tooth? I'm like, no, I can't do three <laughs> veneers. Her teeth were black. She's going to have three white teeth and then 17 black ones. Mm -hmm. So I made a, an executive decision at that point. I, you know, I, I, I do a, a motivational leadership program for high school and college kids called LEAP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we basically teach students 15 to 25 how to be successful in life. And I always say, wow. you know, there will be life changing moments that, you know, that happen in your life that really change the direction of your life forever. And sometimes you plan for them and sometimes you don't. Yeah. And this was one of those. And I literally said, you know, I'll do all the dentistry for free. Mm -hmm. If I'm the only dentist, you highlight zoom in every episode and you mention Da Vinci veneers, because I don't want to get stuck with a $10,000 lab bill on top of not getting paid. Right. And right. at the time, ABC agreed to all that. Oh yeah. And that really changed the course of my life. Wow. It was a life-defining moment. That's awesome. That is amazing. What about like um, the challenges 
being on television with the patients, like, was there any challenges like educating or, or treating people um, on television? Well, I mean, they picked some really hard cases. Um, mm -hmm. And for the most part, it went really, really smoothly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, one of the things that ABC realized early on is that if I couldn't do their teeth, they mm -hmm. didn't have a makeover. So in the beginning, it went from the psychologist to the plastic surgeon to the dentist. Uh -huh. Then it went from the dentist to the psychologist to the plastic surgeon. <laughs> so if, if I kicked them out of the process, they didn't even proceed with anything. Oh, wow. So it, it literally just started with you, the dentist first. Yeah. Then, well, I mean, they down. knew like, you know, because some of these people had really bad teeth. And it's like, you can't do orthodontics in six weeks. But we did do one orthodontic jaw surgery. Mm. Did, you, did you have any challenges like with common dental myths on television at all? Did you have to address anything that maybe common things that maybe the layperson doesn't understand about dentistry? Maybe it's, it's the lab work that goes into creating those porcelain crowns, or maybe it's Anything else that you had to kind of address? Um, this is what dentistry is, this is what dentistry can do. Like, I mean, that was a big draw for the whole show was showing mm -hmm. people all of that, you know, and, you know, alleviating a lot of the fear, you know, I yeah. mean, they had some really funky things. I mean, they actually, I mean, you have to understand they scoured the country looking for people for me to treat. They sent me oh, wow. a guy uh, with a sterno sternocleoid mastostosis, oh. he had a hundred teeth. What? A hundred <laughs> teeth. How is that even possible? <laughs> most of them, most of them were not developed. They were in his jaw. Huh. If you looked at his panorex, you yeah. could count a hundred teeth, tooth buds. I mean, it was crazy. Oh my gosh. Wow. That must have been a crazy case. Holy crap. Yeah. I mean, we did, I, I told you, a class three orthognathic surgery case. Uh -huh. We did a few cleft palate cases. We did two sisters that had bilateral cleft palates. I mean, they were really riveting cases. Thanks for listening to Dental Giants. That was part one with Dr. Bill Dorfman. Join us for part two as we transition and Dr. Dorfman tells us about his experience working on celebrities, the pressure involved, what he's doing now, and his big takeaway message. Also, a fun bonus question at the end. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to keep up to date on our new releases and follow us on Instagram at Dental Giants. See you in the next one.